This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. and welcome to That's the Ticket with Hannah Mooney. I'm your host, Hannah Mooney, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, a Hamilton Book Month special. It's August. August is Hamilton Book Month. So I've wrangled myself an author. Um, Steve Horn, the author of The Trouble with Twins, is here. But that's not all. Um, I love having two guests in the studio, and seeing as twins are on the menu today, I've wrangled myself another twin my own twin missy mooney is here to co-host kia ora steve kia ora missy kia ora kia ora how are we doing guys oh very well thank you yeah lovely to be here um the pleasure is all mine and i feel like i need to start the show off with this little kind of nugget of information that um steve was actually mine and missy's primary school teacher yeah and um It's very weird calling you Steve, but we're going to persevere. <laughs> um, yeah, primary school teacher turned author, um, which, you know, we were talking before we went on air about how lovely it is to kind of be here today, to be, um, you know, the re- roles are kind of reversed in the sense that I'm guiding Steve through <laughs> this radio interview when he taught me some of the things I know, not all of them, but a lot. And so I, I feel like it's just good vibes in the studio today. Would we agree? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Great vibes. And um, I'm really looking forward to listening back to the podcast of this to see if Missy and I sound exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so far they do. And um, apparently we still look the same, Steve. Is that true? Would you agree? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Do you want to tell a little story about what happened in the car park earlier? Uh, thank you for dropping me in it. You're welcome. Yeah, I was in the car park and I look at you, at you two and I go, oh my goodness, which one's Hannah? Which one's Missy? I know. I'll go left. I was wrong. I yeah. was completely wrong. <laughs> Shame on my name. Yeah. As a twin yourself and someone who wrote a book all about being a twin. I know. I had one chance. You had one chance, <laughs> and now we've outed you on um, That's the Ticket. Yeah. So, okay. great, great kickoff. But, um, you know, to, to the Hamilton Book Month topic at hand, um, <laughs> you've written a book. <laughs> <laughs> and? <laughs> and um, it's about you, right? Well, it's about us. It's about us. It's about you and your brother? Yes, yeah. And um, when, when did the book come out? Um, in November of last year, I had the book launch in Raglan, mm-hmm. uh, which was big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, yes. It, it was big for Raglan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we had a band. Yeah. Someone said, you can't have a band. I said, we're having a band. Yeah, yeah. So we had a band and we were at the Raglan Golf Course and there were over 100 people there, family and friends. It was awesome. I was so happy. 
Yeah, banned at a book launch. Why not? Can't say I've ever heard of that. Well, I'd actually never been to a book launch before. Before it was your own. That seems fitting. And then I went to three in one week. Three in one week? Yes, I had my sister's book launch. Um, She wrote a book about parenting uh, stuff. Okay. And then um, a couple of other random writers from Raglan. Right. So three in one week. Okay. So writing books runs in the family, it seems. Ah, yes, for Jenny and I, yes. Um, For Chris, because this is my chance to mock him and he can't say anything back. Okay. Um, Kia ora, Chris. uh, G'day, bro. Um, Actually, Chris can write really well and I took four of his stories and called them my own and made them into a pronoun and I'm very happy about that and he's not. Okay. But that's okay. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> okay. Um, actually, before we get into the book, we should pr- we should probably um, spend a bit more time on on Steve. Um, a, a kind of kind of who you are and a why behind the book, if you fancy it. Sure, sure. Um, I'm an identical twin. Same. Um, <laughs> I've noticed. Uh, Chris and I. Um, I'm the youngest twin. Um, Missy is the youngest twin. I said my name <laughs> in case you can't tell that it's Missy talking now, but I'm the youngest twin. Hannah and I are seven minutes apart. Oh, uh, we were five. Ah, what? fast. <laughs> I see. Um, and Chris, actually, you tried to be the dominant twin. Did that happen with you guys? I am the dominant twin. You are. <laughs> Where's the coup? Just Where's the coup? I have a radio show. That's enough. She's happy on the bottom bunk, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never oh. got the top bunk. Oh, no, no, no. I, you've got to have a coup. You've got to receive. You've got to. We, we have an arrangement. We have an arrangement. An arrangement. Yeah. Oh my goodness, how twenty. Um, <laughs> so we are. Uh, we're born on the thirteenth of the seventh, nineteen fifty-six. Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Yeah. That's some spooky twin uh, stuff, right there. <laughs> oh, it is a. Eh? And uh, born in Auckland, and I have uh, five siblings. So there is um, there's Linda, and then there's Chris, and then there's me, and then there's Jenny, Kathy, and Mike. And um, I had a mum and dad. In my heart, of course, they're still there. Peter and Mary Horn, who have both passed away, and I dedicated my book to them. Um, That's lovely. Because they loved us unconditionally. And they needed to. (laughs) And also, they feature quite heavily in the book, so, you know, they deserve some some credit. Some credit, yeah, definitely. Well, they put up with so much, and they were so kind and Mm. so patient. (laughs) Except when Dad applied some um, psychology to our backsides back in the day. Ah, yeah. And I think we deserved it then, too. There you go. But now, no, of course, you can't. No. No. But, um... So, other than this is your first book, right? Yes, yes. So, in terms of because it's an art show, um, creative history, do you have one of those? Would you class yourself as a, someone who's a creator or? Um, at high school, um, I created some amazing print work. Oh, yeah? Um, for a girlfriend. Nice. I, no, no, no. No? Okay. Because no, I thought she was my girlfriend. Oh, but she wasn't. Steve. And she dissed me. Okay. She left me at the Civic Theatre in Auckland and <laughs> took my print with her to England. It must so have been a great print, though. It was a lovely print. <laughs> it was completely wasted on her. Oh. So, Sarah, if you're listening, 
<laughs> she will be. Um, give it back. <laughs> did, did you do any prints for Val? Uh, no, no, no. There's still Probably time. Val. There's still <laughs> <laughs> awkward. Uh, no, I'm saying it on my radio show, so you have to do it now. It's like right. it's a part of yes, history. I will. I'll, yeah. I'll print some letters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something like Writer that. Write a book. Uh, no, then I um, I fell into storytelling actually, yeah. and I've been doing that for um, a number of years now, starting in the early '90s at Gordonton School, and. Um, I told a few stories, and what I would do, I, I would get the women's weekly magazines, and I would cut out pictures um, of children and adults, and for the adults, I would put scars and eye patches, because they were always the villains. And for the kids, I would leave their faces untouched, and they were always the heroes. Children are always the heroes. It's the antagonist, protagonist sort of thing. And I, I would make up stories, and the kids love them, and I thought, hang on, I'm in a bit of a role here, so I would keep on telling stories and keep on telling stories. I mean, as um, someone who, uh, you know, grew up with your stories at uh, Silverdale Primary School, yeah. represent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I can say that you were you were very good then. It's, it's nice to... Only um, very good. You're very good then, <laughs> and um, now you've 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 upped your game to quite quite good, rather good quite with good. the book. Would you agree, okay. Missy? Yeah, I feel like you're underselling Steve a wee bit there. We were <laughs> we were saying before we came on air that how uh, Mr. Horn, as he's known fondly within our family, is a bit of a legend, and his uh, storytelling prowess is often kind of fondly remembered because um, you taught. Two of our brothers, or at least one of our brothers, one, I Jordan. Think, yeah, yeah. Jordan, yeah, and um, Hannah and I, and we both, uh, all of us, really kind of relished the the stories. And I definitely fondly remember, you know, being like we were meant to be doing maths, and you'd be like, okay, that's enough. We'll have a story, and just like, just loving it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just I couldn't get to the so, map fast enough. <laughs> was it a math story, or was it was I don't it just know. a story? I think it, oh, I think no, there probably was a maths element to begin with, You're and then far maybe too we kind. maybe I don't we think there wandered. Was. <laughs> wandered off to some more exciting terrain um <laughs> but you know the just the rapture all of us sitting there you know listening cool yeah cool. amazing fond memories i feel like um you know if we applied that to the workplace you should start touring around workplaces and like everyone that's like okay it's time it's story time i seriously think that that would go off at least at my place of work yeah i work yeah. at the meteor theater um, great um, creative space, and I feel like upstairs in our creative cluster, everyone would be so keen. Sure. Well, you know what? I think everybody loves a story. Everybody loves stories. Um, they love to listen. They love to engage. I think people love to know that, in a way, they are in the story. And if we look at common human experience, all the stories in my book about common human experience. We've all done dumb things. We've all done amazing things. We've all embarrassed ourselves and our siblings and our mum and dad. And it's okay. It's okay. I mean, that's life. You know, I obviously I come from a really big family, um, which I adore. And to hear their stories and for them to hear my stories and, and for my twin brother, Chris, um, to say that's rubbish is actually quite an encouraging thing and I just keep on going because my version of the story um, <clears throat> is the only correct one. <laughs> the other siblings' versions are, are indeed quite wrong. 
<laughs> I'm just trying to think of our family because uh, Missy and I we we've, we've got quite a big family. There's there's five of us kids and then mum and dad. If one of us was to write a book about the family, it'd probably be you, wouldn't it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe Jordan. You yeah. could do it. Me. Yeah, you could make it. You could turn the show into instead of a weekly arts show it could be a weekly podcast telling all the ridiculous things we've done <laughs> well, i do have a story springing to mind um about oh, please the, do it's about missy and the banisters oh <laughs> okay, please do are you gonna tell it no i think you should tell it okay so this involves i guess myself hannah and our brother jordan who's seven years older than us and um mum and dad and went out and they're like okay Jordan can you look after the girls so um yeah that was fine got up to you know a lot of mischief and I don't even know what we were doing and he said to me we've got you know staircase with banisters and he for some reason he told me to put my head between the banisters and I said I don't think it's gonna fit because I remember last time yeah, last time. So I'd done this before for some reason. And I said, last time I only just got it out and I'm older now. And he's like, oh, yeah, but your head changes shape. It's grown differently. You'll you'll fit. Anyway, so I put my head through and I get stuck. Um, so I'm standing there with my head stuck between the banisters. You know, this is, you know, we were little. People didn't have cell phones, probably early 2000s. So, you know, didn't mum and dad were due back in like half an hour. So I'm just <laughs> <laughs> sat there with my head between the banisters while Jordan's freaking out because he knows he's going to get in trouble. <laughs> I don't remember what you were doing. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, anyway, mum and dad get home and they're just like, Jordan, you idiot. Like, what? What? I think dad laughed. <laughs> Because it was pretty funny. Then mum goes, she gets butter and like greases the side <laughs> of my head out of the banisters. Did and the I think, trick. I think that was probably the last time Jordan was allowed to <laughs> be at home with both of us by ourselves. But um, I guess for context, a lot of I've read Steve's book and I feel like that story could kind of fit in there because there's kind of similar, just like idiotic Absol- things. Absolutely. Can I just have a look at your head? I just want to see where there's any <laughs> lasting damage. Keep no, still. It's all good. Keep still. Uh, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, yes. Never mind. But yeah. um, no, I feel like that that story is a great kind of pe- precursor for <laughs> what, what what the book is about, right? Because it's it's basically just a collection of stories from your life. Yes, yes. Uh, the f- first story was um, well, it wasn't written when I was eighteen months old. Uh, but you my left first it. Story, you well, were there. I did. Yeah, yeah. We were there. <laughs> And that was a fragment of memory, and um, no one's going to remember exactly what they did at 18 months old. So when I was writing it, I had to imagine myself in the room and getting up to mischief and then adding detail, which was based on all the experiences we had because all detail in the story, it, it might... It has to sound real, even if it's not quite real because it's such a long time ago. It has to sound real. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I was able to achieve it in the book with with lots of rewrites and checking and editing. And my wife saying to me at, at times, hey, Steve, I go, yes, love. I said, you know that story you wrote? And I'd go, yes, love. And I'm like, oh, oh. She'd go, actually, it's rubbish. <laughs> it's just... This seems to be a reoccurring theme. This is the (laughs) second time in five minutes you've talked about one of your, like, closest family members saying it's it's rubbish. But, but no, she needed to say that because it was. Mm. 
And then she'd go, right, and she'd go, right, and and I'd go, actually, you're right. So I had another large slice of humble pie and had to go at it again and again and again. And then my editor got it. Oh, my goodness. If I thought Val was tough and she needed to be, I'd have Jan. Um, She was from the NACI and I would send her half a manuscript or whatever, how many stories, and she'd come back and there'd be so many little points about, oh, this and I started to argue with her about every point and I thought actually this is dumb she's right shut up Steve eat another large slice of humble pie because if you're an editor if you're Val if you're Jan if you're Anne the publisher then they know exactly what they're doing and they know how to put or suggest a word that lifts the whole paragraph and you go that's magic. That is incredible. And they retain your voice. Yeah. And you go, that's even more incredible. Mm. So it was a team that created the book. I mean, it's mm. great to hear that you had such a good team behind you. Oh, I did. I could not have done it without Val. I wrote it longhand. Yeah. And no one else can read my writing. So Val had to translate my English into English. And um, then Val typed it countless hours, countless hours. I'd just say, I love you. Keep going, keep going, that's nice. I love you. Did you, you surely, you could have done some dictation? (laughs) No, that involves technology. (laughs) So I can only write a story um, with a pen. I can edit on a screen. Mm, But I I have to write with a pen. These writer types, I tell you, (laughs) so demanding. So demanding. So exacting. No, that's really interesting, though. Um, And I also think, like, also, you get some kudos for... It's one thing to get feedback or critique from your editors or from proofreaders or publishers or whatever um, when it's a work of fiction, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But this is your life. These are stories of... And um, I think something that's happened to you or involves you or people you care about, it sits in a kind of different place in you than I think something that's wholly imagined. Mm. So it's a, I think it is a different, well, I can imagine it would be a different experience kind of being like, this isn't feedback on the story or on me. It's literally just on how it appears. Yes. And, and um, you talk about the idea of just changing one word mm-hmm. and it's the, I guess it's, it, it is crafting. You yes, like craft a, a story and I think um, in the way you tell them, I mean, even the way you just you speak, you do have this kind of like charismatic, you kind of craft the way you tell it that's really engaging and it's just kind of translating that into something that's written is, you know, a process that has challenges and, and, um, and stuff like that. And I think as well, you, you talked about the idea of you know, when you're 18 months old, you don't remember it exactly, but trying to make it real. And I think the idea that a kind of a certain reality is constructed in a way mm. is, you know, mm. totally fine because we mm. we all construct our versions of reality and of memories every day. And I think mm. um, to just because it's nonfiction doesn't mean it's not a creative activity. Oh, absolutely. You know? And yeah. it very, very much is. Missy mm. Mooney earning her co-host. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, folks, I could not get a word sideways then. Um, but never mind. Can I just have a look at your face again? Oh, no, never mind. Um, actually, Chris would call us, uh, he, he called my book a complete work of fiction, mm. which um, is not true <laughs> because it, it is... It's autobiographical, it's right? my version. Yeah. And that's okay. Um, 
Now, Chris was actually very proud of me. When he, when he spoke at the book launch, he said that um, he didn't speak for too long, which was a merciful release. <laughs> and he said that I am so proud of you and I am so proud of Chris and my family. Because um, Chris is right into drama in Auckland at Glen Eden Intermediate and he's got parent interviews tonight. So best of all, luck, Chris. All the best, Chris. <laughs> because by the time you get to the forty-third um, parent, uh, you've got no idea what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And it's really time to go. <laughs> um, oh, gee, that was quite lovely, actually. You you saying about you know how you're proud of each other? Mm. I felt myself almost feeling an emotion, and then I'm like, oh, I better rein it in because it's radio and people don't want to listen to me have a blubber. But I might I might break for a song so that I can do so. But um, I have a segment on the show called uh, Rick's Pick because I have an Uncle Rick. Um, he is a big fan of music and listening to radio programs. And so when he found out that I was having my own show, he's like, I'm going to hook you up with a list and every week you can play Rick's Pick. And um, I've tried to go on theme with this week's one in the sense that the song for this week's Rick's Pick was number one in 1956 a.k.a. the year that Hello. Steve and his twin brother were born. <coughs> so, here is Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. Well, I found a new place to dwell Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street That Heartbreak Hotel where I'll be I'll be just so lonely, baby Well, I'm so lonely I'll be just so lonely I could die Although it's always crowded You still can find some room For broken-hearted lovers To cry there in the gloom Be so I'll be so lonely, baby I'll be so lonely I'll be so lonely They could die Well, the bellhop's tears keep flowing The desk clerk's dress in black Well, they've been so lonely We'll never, we'll never look back and think it's so, think it's so lonely, baby. Well, they're so lonely, well, they're so lonely, and they could die. Well, if your baby leaves you, you got a tale to tell. Well, just take a walk down Lonely Street to Heartbreak Hotel, where you will be, but you think it's so lonely, baby. Well, you'll be lonely. You'll be so lonely, you could die. Elvis Presley for this week's Rick's Pick. Um, cheers, Uncle Rick. Uh, as I say every week, appreciate you and your uh, music taste. Uh, but welcome back. To That's The Ticket with Hannah Mooney. You're listening to Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 
And uh, today I've got a bit of a Hamilton Book Month special, but also a twin special because there's like three twins in the studio right now. Which is a weird thing to say, three twins. Yes. Usually there's only two. Yeah, and right now it sounds like I'm talking to myself because my twin sister, Missy Moni, is here. <laughs> and um, Steve Horn, author of uh, the awesomely, I was going to say award-winning, but it hasn't won any awards yet, has it? Well, not yet. Not yet. But, Maybe um, tonight's a catalyst. <laughs> yes. Steve Horn, the author of The Trouble with Twins, um, new book that launched uh, November 2020 is here. And... Um, it's it's been going okay so far I think. We've we've had um you know, we've been having some solid chats about um storytelling in Twindom. And um it's um quite clear after this chat that um the two really go hand in hand cuz would you would you agree that um by being a twin it kind of gives you um more potential to have good stories? Oh yes, cuz you have more adventures. Yeah. Exactly, and even just walking down the streets an adventure because um, me and Missy, we have an expression called the twin stare. Yes. You, you see, we yes. haven't even had to... Ex- yes. Yeah. Monkeys in the zoo. Yes. Yes. It's when you're walking down the road with your twin and then you just see people, it's like people watching tennis. You see them look from one to yes. the other, from one to the other. Yeah, it's yeah. the double look. Mm. I feel like saying, hello, hello, yes, we are. And yes, you can look. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or when people, instead of just kind of say, you're twins, and you say, gosh, am I? <laughs> really? Thank you for telling me that. Oh, no. Or Hannah's favourite one. Yeah. We'll, we'll reenact it. Okay. So I, I see Hannah and myself, and I go, oh, my gosh, are you twins? No, I just met her today. Yeah, and Hannah thinks that's hilarious it's, every time. It, if, if this was a live audience, I'm pretty sure people would have lo- laughed. Um, cheers to everyone who just laughed now hearing that amazing <laughs> joke. You're welcome. Okay, I didn't laugh. Um, it's because it's a terrible joke, Hannah. I'm sorry. Steve, can you just focus on being a good guest, please? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. <laughs> okay, um, to the book. So mm-hmm. it's a collection of um, your own stories. Yes. And um, we were kind of touching on the process of writing the book. Um, you had a wonderful team behind you mm-hmm. um, helping you get yep. this um, off the ground. And so the the book it's it covers various phases of your life, right? Yes, yes. I'm going to uh, just turn to my book. Just wait a moment, please, listeners. Steve, uh, so for those with a those with a copy at home, please turn to page. <laughs> <laughs> just blowing the dust off. Just give me a moment. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and it, yes, it is. Uh, part one is the early years. Yep. And that's from um, 18 months to uh, five or six years old. Part two is the not-so-early years, which I think is a highly original name for it. <laughs> um, part three is the teenage years, where if, if you're a teenage boy, that is the time you do the real dumb stuff. And part four is the later years, which takes us from um, 20 years old approximately to the present day. Okay, that's that's quite a solid gap there. <laughs> so what, I don't quite what know comes, how to answer what, that. What comes mm-hmm. after the last section? If you're in the later years now, so what's from like the probably the later, of, later years. The later, later, the latest um, years. <laughs> <laughs> and well, that's anything that that happened from uh, yesterday, really, mm. um, up to today, and yeah, maybe tomorrow. 
Yeah, maybe. Okay, yeah. so if there's a sequel, I hope there will be a story on this, what's happening right now. <laughs> yes, well, I don't know. What should we call the book? Twins 2? <laughs> nice. Hannah's like, think of a joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying, I can hear my brain going. I'm just mm. like, double trouble. Mm. Um, but no, um, I was wondering um, if you, how you'd feel about potentially sharing a story from the book. Mm, sure, I yeah. know. Well practiced, sure. Okay. I just happen to have one. Yeah, here's a story I okay. prepared earlier. He is um, opening an oven and pulling out a freshly baked story for us to enjoy, like food in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this story is called Good and Bad, and it's actually a story which isn't funny. There are many stories which I laugh out loud because mm. that's what Hannah and Missy did. Well, they told me they did. And uh, this is a serious story about those teachers who we think were good. And I had a few at Auckland Grammar School. Well, I was there for four years and then had a year up at Maharani College. And at primary school in Auckland, um, I had a teacher who, he was awful. And I read the story because I don't think we should have awful teachers. Mm. I think teachers should be the most amazing, encouraging, um, inspiring sort of people in our lives. I'll start the story on the third paragraph. One teacher I remember for all the wrong reasons, let's call him Mr. M. He was a disgrace to the teaching profession, highly skilled at sarcasm and brutal put-downs. Mr. M was a narcissistic bully who would even sneer at the camera in school photos, leaving a lasting distaste for his teaching and his character. One particular event involving Mr. M is still fresh in my mind 52 years later. Now, if I get a bit emotional in the story, it's because it had such an impact. It was a winter's day and groups of students were playing four square on the white painted grids on the playground. Mr. M liked to join into a game every now and then, and today he was playing the game next to me. All was well until a stray ball rolled through our square. I casually kicked it away. Had I realised it was from Mr. M's game, I may have kicked it back, but I was too caught up in my own game to notice. Mr. M strode through the middle of our game to retrieve the stray ball. Looking up, I, re I received a quick, nasty look from him. I continued playing, but my mind was distracted by his look of disdain and simmering anger. The end of interval came far too soon, and we filed into the classroom and sat down. The silence in the room was unnerving. Why was the class staring at me? Chris was sitting at the deck next to me and gave me a reassuring smile. Mr. M approached my desk, towered over me and hissed. So we have a smart boy in our class then. Look at the smart boy class, so, so smart. He ruined our game of four square. Was that fair class? Oh no, Mr. M, a few scared students replied. Mr. M audibly sucked in more of the growing tension through his gritted teeth. Well, Horn. What do you have to say for yourself? 
I started to reply that I didn't know it was the ball from his game when he cut me off mid-sentence. Be quiet. Be quiet, boy. I don't like smart boys. And Stephen Horn, today, you are one of the smartest students. Smart and stupid. I didn't accept this bar comment and shot back. I'm not smart or stupid like you're saying, Mr. M. He thundered back. Now? Now you're answering me back, boy. No, I'm not. I'm trying to tell you the truth. My pulse was racing and warm sweat was beginning to trickle down the inside of my T-shirt. Mr. M's face was full of unbridled rage and for a time it seemed he couldn't speak. His lips were trembling. Spittle was gathering in the corners of his mouth and he was breathing heavily. Finally, in a hushed voice, he spoke in a passive-aggressive way to the class. Horn! Horn needs a consequence. A big consequence to fit his crime. What do you suggest we do with him, class? A few suggestions, please. With an intimidating look, he scanned the rows of students, and to my horror, a few hands went up, then a few more. A growing list of suggestions was being formed. Keep him in after school for a week. Make him pick up rubbish around the school for two weeks. Keep him inside for a month. Mr. M wrote these suggestions on the blackboard with a few accompanied grunts and soon the blackboard was crammed with consequences, white print on a black day. Mr. M liked what he saw and loved what he was doing. I didn't. Only two students refrained from entering into the dialogue, Chris and my friend Simon. I was worn out with ridicule. Mr. M had used his power and won. He had put me in my place. I was so hurt and confused as I generally hadn't done anything wrong. At the end of the day, as usual, I walked home with Chris. We were both uncharacteristically quiet, reflective about the events that had occurred earlier. Chris put an arm on my shoulder to reassure me. He didn't know what I was thinking about. He didn't know that I was also thinking about what Dad would say and do. I waited, anxiety mounting. Just before dinner... Dad's car came down the drive. I was listening intently for it, and I heard the car turning into the garage. I retreated into the dark sanctuary of our wardrobe. Muffled voices could be heard coming down the hallway. Our bedroom door opened, and Dad quietly walked in. Putting my legs closer to my chest, I could feel the pounding of my anxious heart. The wardrobe door opened, and the shaft of light caused me to squint as I looked up, and Dad... He was towering over me. The waiting was over. He reached in and gently pulled me to him for a hug. One of the best hugs I have ever had. In an instant, the power of a firming touch smashed the power of fear. In a kind voice, he said to me, It's okay, son. Leave this to me. That was beautiful, Steve. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. And um, which uh, section of the book is that one in? Um, is that is that the? Um, that's in the not so early years. Yeah, not so yeah, early. The years. Not so early years. Yeah. Mm. I, I think mean, first oh, and don't. foremost, let the record show that that is. I mean, Hannah and I find it hard to understand because we have never ever encountered a teacher doing that, and it's just horrific. Mm. Um, and I don't know if it's got to, something to do with the reason you are such an amazing teacher. 
you seriously are. And I know there's hundreds, hundreds of people out there who have been taught by you who were like, Mr. Horn is the man, one of the best teachers we've ever had. So the fact, I, it's truly amazing that something so horrific that should never, ever happen to anyone, especially at school, um, that you've taken that experience and that you've become such the aw- awesome guy that you are today is amazing. And I think it's it's cool that you're talking about it because I'm sure this has happened to other people. Mm. I mean, other people mm. at your school at that time sure. kind of being part of that. Um, so I think, you know, it's important to tell these stories and to, to talk about and to, and to realise it. And I think also just a general shout out to all those teachers who are, you know, walking the walk and talking the talk because I think teachers do get underappreciated and undervalued sometimes and what they do is so, so important and life-changing. Mm. I mean, that event has changed your life. Yeah, I, I guess you have a choice when those things happen. You don't think about it at the time. You, you can be better or you can be bitter. Mm. And it did shape me and other mm. things shaped me as well. And I just want the students that I teach um, at Hamilton Boys High School to have a, a, um, a love of learning, not a fear of failure. Mm. And I, there's a huge difference. And if I can inspire boys um, and girls in the past to to be the best sort of people that they can be and to and to believe in themselves and to know that they are worthy mm. and that they are loved and mm. cared for and appreciated i love to hear the voice of children of young adults and i think as teachers we need to be much better listeners and if one of our students says something don't say anything just nod mm. or go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't say anything. Let them speak because if we come in too quickly, they won't want to share anymore because they just, they're, they're either not, not heard, they're just not heard. Mm. Uh, uh, and for young men at our school, um, they have amazing things to say and I really want to hear what they've got to say. Mm. Lovely words. I think this is probably an apt time to break for a song. Um, and I'm, I'm sticking on theme with twin-themed songs now. Uh, I've got uh, an Arctic Monkey song called uh, Evil Twin. Even though Evil Twins is a myth. Because that's another question we get. Have you ever had that one? People being like, which one's the evil one? Never had it. You've never had it? Never had it. Well, um, I've got a question for you, Steve. <laughs> uh, which one's the evil twin? Neither of us. <laughs> Both oh, of you. Okay. Neither of us. All right, yeah. all right.
You'll break your heart the second time before you know about the first. Looks well equipped to leave you in the lurch, but you'd let her do her worst. And it's not hard to tell, it's obvious the other angel's faces fell. When she told him that she had to go, trouble wins an overcoat for something colorful. Uh, Evil Twin by the Arctic Monkeys for our uh, twin special. Steve Horn, the author of uh, hit new book, The Trouble with Twins, is here. Yeah, I said hit new book. Don't laugh, Steve. I support you. <laughs> um, and then my twin sister, Missy, is also here as my co-host. Um, we just had a uh, lovely um, break for a story from Steve prior to that song. Um, quite emotive, but a great story. You spin a good yarn. Thank you. Um, even, even if it is um, potentially hard to hear. But um, for more, if you're wanting to um, hear, I was going to say hear, but I guess you're not going to go around reading each of these stories to You people. need to make the audiobook version. Yes, actually. One of my students suggested that. Yeah. I think you should uh, do that. I said, that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> right now. We'll start now and we'll be finishing like two days. Wow. <laughs> How about a stage show? Yeah, yeah do yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, I reckon it will work, 100%. Solo show. You could add in a dance, maybe. Oh. You got you it, do not, <laughs> You do not know how I can't dance. I Actually, when I dance, I dance so that my lower half keeps perfectly still and the top half it goes completely all over the place i mean that's a skill i think well it's a dad skill <laughs> and it mortifies our daughters and it delights our grandchildren yeah I, I, yeah i'm feeling quite delighted imagine Same. That, to be honest yeah yeah that's no, not um, pretty <laughs> but if you know while we're waiting for the audiobook if you're wanting to read more of steve's stories um where can you purchase the book steve oh sure um it's in Raglan. Mm -hmm. It's at Zinnia. It's at the Raglan um, Stationery Shop or Book and Gift Centre. It's at the Maid Gallery and um, at the Second Hand Shop. Second Hand Shop. Which means someone's already thought, oh, this book's not that good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> um, and in Walkworth at Pete and Mary's Cafe, which is, is, is named after my mum and dad. I was just going to ask, yeah. yeah. So you can get it there. There might be one or two copies going pretty cheaply there um, and in Hamilton it's in um, Mavis which is at Wintech in, in the cafe there. Yeah, yeah. it's at um, um, it's it's at Gigi's which is Hamilton East yeah, yeah. Um, it's at a couple of other cafes that have just gone out of my little mind in 
in um, in Hamilton. And um, if you're not willing to go cafe hunting, you yes. can always purchase it online, correct? Yes, you can. Hey, you can. I got you, Steve. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Roll up, folks. Form an orderly queue. Yeah, I, I will put um, links up to where you can purchase the book with the podcast of this episode because um, I really, you know, as two people who have read the book, I highly recommend... Um, and encourage people to get amongst it and give it a read. Um, and also, like, a lot of cafes supporting your book and also a great book to read in a cafe. Indeed. I would say. Yes. Uh, like, uh, you know, a couple stories, perfect amount for a coffee. Yes, exactly. Uh, there's a couple of, um, of customers up in Walworth at Pete and Mary's Cafe, <laughs> eatery, who come every day and they'll read a chapter and they'll come back the next day and read another chapter and another chapter. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, that's cool. Dedication. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And um, but before we get into the uh, last segment in the show, which is where I talk about upcoming events, I was just wanting to um, pick your brain with a bit of a surprise question, so mm. apologies in advance. But um, as someone who's just published their first book, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about you know, taking that next step and publishing their own book for the first time. Oh, do it. Just do it. But you have to be willing to to give it 100%. It is hard. Mm. It is not easy. You have to craft it. You have to be ready to, to be disappointed that whoever you're going to take it to, first, second, third or eighth, may well say no. Mm. And you just have to accept it and keep on going. So my advice is you have to believe in the idea, you have to believe in yourself, and you have to work hard. I kept at the book for um, for two years. It actually didn't take me that long to write the first draft. Yep. Um, three months, but the editing took another 20 yeah. months, and I had to be willing to... Redraft, redraft, uh, and you just you just have to do it because in the end, um, it's about quality. Mm-hmm. And I knew that every story had to be good because if one story wasn't right, then the whole book would be wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the pressure is on. Um, I would like to mention um, I went to a writing course uh, at Fraser High School a number of years ago and. I had a tutor there, and he was a curmudgeon and a lovely man, and his name was David Hebbley. And I want to mention him because he gave me the confidence to think that I could be a writer. And it was interesting because most of the time he would say not so much about the skills of writing, but how to block off the negative thoughts of no one's going to read this. Who would read this stuff? It's rubbish. And he would say, no, you've got to block it. You've got to believe in yourself. Mm. And um, he was awesome. He was awesome. So a shout-out to David Hebbley. Thank you. Mm. He's from Pitaru. Oh, kia ora. Um, and actually, I'm gonna, I thought that was my last question, but then I, I feel like I can't end the show without asking this one. But um, sequel. I <laughs> well, not necessarily sequel, well, another but another book. book. Yeah. Another book, sorry, I should Two, say. Yeah, uh, I've got another book which I'm drafting now, and it's about um, empathy and compassion mm. and kindness. And I know that 
half the people listening will go, oh, here we go again. But actually, I think those those things are somewhat lacking in the crazy world that that we that we live in. Mm. But I want to. Uh, um, I'm writing about caring and compassion, and doing good for people without any hint of reward, without looking for thanks, but knowing that it's the right thing to do. And it starts with looking after yourself and being good to yourself, then being good to your family, then being good to your neighbours, then to be good to the people where you live, then the Waikato, then New Zealand, and keep on going. Then the world. And and this this will... Not my book will change the world because there's heaps of people that, you know, there's millions that have gone before, but just a book which says, hey, here's a story, here's an insight, here's an anecdote. What do you think? What can you do to change the world around you? Sounds like you're well on, well on your way, mate. Mm, I'm very excited. Yeah, Thank I'm you. like, you had me hook, line and sinker. Yeah. I flash back to the map. I'm like, yeah, I'm listening. Oh, you've got me. But... Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Steve. It's my pleasure. It's just been great. I have to have you back when you when sure. you publish your next book, sure. mate. But um, looking ahead to unbook related things, unbook related is not a word, but here we are. Um, other upcoming events around Kirikiriroa, just really quick. Um, coming up at the Meteor Theatre, back to Square One is running August thirteenth to fifteenth, with six thirty p.m. and two p.m. shows. Also at the Meteor, Carshway Letters Home is running August 17th to 19th at 6.30pm. Then um, over the bridge at Riverley Theatre, they have their fundraising masquerade ball on August 21st. That's raising funds for their building renovation. So if you want to support a great local theatre, get along to that. It should be a great night. And then... Back at Clarence Street, uh, Troy Kingy is, is playing with Delaney Davidson, um, their Black Sea Golden Ladder Tour on August 12th. Um, that should be an amazing gig. I'm a massive Troy Kingy fan, so if you can get tickets to that, get along. And then couldn't not mention Hamilton Book Month because that's kind of been what the whole show is about. But if you want to um, check out all the cool stuff that's coming up for Hamilton Book Month, I highly recommend visiting hamiltonbookmonth.com to check out what's on. And um, that's about it from That's the Ticket. And actually... That's not about it. Steve's just reminded me. I'm going to call you out, even though you did it so smoothly, because I forgot to say something, and then Steve mounts. Tell them about the book prize. Um, watch this space for a special um, giveaway through Free FM of a copy of The Trouble with Twins by Steve Horn. Um, we're working with the station to give away a copy that Steve will hand deliver. So keep an eye on the Free FM Facebook page. Within Hamilton. Page. I'm not going to Moronsville. <laughs> I, I, I feel like that's going to be in the like guidelines of the competition, but thanks for clearing that up, Steve. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so keep an eye out on the, the Free FM Facebook page and the That's the Ticket Facebook page. I've been Hannah Mooney. This has been That's the Ticket, and um, I'm going to play us out with a song that I feel is fitting for um, the show today. Uh, we Are Family by Sister Sledge. Kaki te.
Use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.